and welcome to episode 61 of Killer Hangover. My name is Beth. And I'm Bettina. And this week we'll be covering true crime and paranormal stories from the state of Minnesota. I get the paranormal, so I got the drink. I actually was kind of Googling it like we always do, using the Google. <laughs> and But at the same time, I was at a speakeasy and I asked... <laughs> You were Googling at a speakeasy? Yeah, because it's all about alcohol. <laughs> Are you not having a good enough time with your date? I was, but I knew it was coming here and I needed a drink. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I needed to come up with a drink. The bartenders there always are very knowledgeable. So I found the drink and then I asked them, uh, you know, what do, what's the most iconic drink from Minnesota? And they said the exact same thing. So I know I'm spot on. Maybe not spot on, but there you go. So Katie is here again to join us. Yay. And Katie and Beth, because she's got a non-alcoholic drink, we are doing a beer teeny. This can also be called the Minnesota, the North Dakota, or the Wisconsin martini, depending on where you're at. <laughs> Basically, what it is, is beer and olives. So that's... Wow. All right. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I can handle that. Is there olive juice or just... Olive? I put some olive juice in it mm, also. Nummy. So funny story, the bartender that I was talking to said, uh, yeah, they like it so much that I have a friend from Minnesota that whenever we have beer, she... <laughs> has a jar of olives in her purse that she brings with her so no that way. in case the bar or the house that you know they're partying at doesn't have olives she has them on hand <laughs> so wow. I'm really anxious to see yeah, what this really addiction excited. is now I'm excited my favorite drink is like a really really dirty dirty martini, martini. <laughs> yes you and I both and I'm so excited I'm going to be drinking a non-alcohol beer and it's a Heineken and for those that are pregnant or avoiding alcohol I don't want to sound like a lush here but being pregnant and wanting beer with warmer weather I have been searching for a non-alcoholic beer that actually tasted like beer and this is the best I've found thus far if you were wondering and I'm enjoying it with you guys tonight yay with olives cheers 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 I used a Michelob Ultra <laughs> light <laughs> so it tastes like ultra light salty beer <laughs> yeah yeah, it it just I tastes have so like many good Michelob beer Ultra. options in the fridge. I kind of yep. want to just add more olive juice to it in the hope that it would make it better. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, it said to use light beer, and that's what you had, and so I grabbed it. Maybe it's better with a heavier beer. It's good with mine. <laughs> oh, good. All right. I mean, I'm going to drink it. Well, sissy. Yes. As an avid listener, there's uh -oh. something I have to tell you. What? This comes from my heart and you have to promise you won't edit it out. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm even scared and she's addressing this to you. I just got like hot. I'm nervous. <laughs> I know he seems to be your favorite author on the podcast, but it is Capote, not Capote. <laughs> Do you know how many words we mispronounce? <laughs> Last week, mom was calling it Melbourne at all week, and we didn't realize. Oh, that's fine. Oh, so that's fine. <laughs> How often is she going to be saying Melbourne on this podcast? Whereas you said Capote. <laughs> well, adds a little flair to it. Mm -hmm. Capote. Capote. Take her hey. Hey. <laughs> I think that fits him quite nicely, if you ask me. We also got feedback from last week, Katie. Oh. You and I sound absolutely identical. I mean, I knew this. <laughs> you were very prepared for it, I think, and you even warned me. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah, it probably yeah. just sounds like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Which you do. I'm surprised you haven't. <laughs> I do. I do a lot. Uh, Tom said initially, he said, you and Beth sound a lot alike, so you really need to speak differently. Well, I'll just add that twang in yeah. there, Tom. <laughs> Capote. <laughs> you know what I just decided would be really good in this drink? You would hate it, but I would love it to add some like hot pepper jalapeno or something really hot and spicy to this. I don't think she's 
dissing olives with beer. I think it was just a choice in beer. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah. I love olives, so I think I would like this with a different beer. This would also be good with some Clamato juice. Huh? Like a, <laughs> huh? Tomato like a, juice? Are we adding twang to that too? No, Clamato. Clamato. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to eat the microphone. Like the, at the microphone like it had answers in it. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. You've never is. had a red beer? Oh, maybe some state. Only green stale beer from, <laughs> <laughs> from Notre Dame. Great for a hangover. Mm-hmm. Killer hangover. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies. I'm going to let you get to it. I've distracted you enough. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Anytime. Thank you, sweetheart. Cheers. Love you, mom. Love you, kid. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why'd you answer yourself? You're talking to yourself now. <laughs> Cheers. Love you, kid. Okie dokie. I have another crazy story for you, Mom. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm going to share the story with you, and then I'm hoping we can kind of debate it a little bit. Debate it. All right. Yeah, there's a few different theories in this case, and so I kind of want to see what your thoughts are. All right. So put on that thinking cap. I'm going to start this story by introducing to you Brandon Swanson. Now, the story really stuck home with me because he was basically my exact age. He was born January 30th, 1989. Wow. So literally just a few Mm -hmm. weeks after me. He grew up in Marshall, Minnesota with his mother, Annette, his father, Brian, and his younger sister. Marshall was a town of about 13,000 people and was a pretty tight-knit community. I got a lot of my information from the podcast Trace Evidence, and he stated that Marshall's violent crime rate was less than half the average of Minnesota. So it's a very safe, okay. small town. Okay. Everybody knows everybody. and Yeah. It's a rural area surrounded by lots of farms and smaller farming communities. Gotcha. He was a very trusted kid to his friends and his family. At the age of 15, he got a job at Hy-Vee, which, if you're not from the area, is a grocery store. There you go. That's right. He kept that job for the next four years. He was that guy that just kind of got along with everybody. He was funny, dependable. He was very close to his family. He was just a good kid. Sounds like a great kid. An interesting thing I could not find the answer for, but Brandon was legally blind in his left eye, and he actually had a scar over his left eye. Oh, I don't know if it was from an accident or or what. I couldn't find the reasoning for that. But he wore glasses to help him with this. But that's just kind of a small thing I just wanted to share. Right. Growing up, Brandon was pretty smart and started reading at a very young age. And he never stopped. He was always seen with a book. He loved to read. He also had a passion for science. And after he graduated from high school in 2007... Another 007 graduate. He decided he wanted to pursue that science field. Actually, he was really fascinated with wind turbines. Okay. And he lived at home while he attended Minnesota West Community and Technical College in Canby, Minnesota. Now, here is where I'm going to begin our story. But before I do, we need to talk a little geography. (laughs) Oh, no. Like I said, this story takes place in a very rural part of Minnesota. Mm Mm-hmm. Lots of farmland and small towns kind of scattered around. Sure. Now, if you're near a computer while you're listening to us, you can pull up Google Maps and check out this geography. Or we can try a little, might I add, a much easier map drawing. You're not going to have us draw a map, are you? Than what we did for the Bermuda (laughs) Triangle and the Missing Flight 19 in episode 28. (laughs) So it's actually much simpler than drawing something out like you can if you want to. But it's the geography is really important to this case. Okay. Really understanding the geography of the area is super, super important to understanding this case. So obviously, if you can browse a map on the computer, it's gonna be a little easier. But some of you are probably driving to work. So to make it easy, think of a greater than symbol. The point of this symbol mm-hmm. being Marshall, Minnesota, okay. which is where so Brandon grew up. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The line at the top of the symbol represents Highway 68. Okay. And at the tip of that line is Canby, Minnesota, which is where Brandon went to college. 
Gotcha. Okay, so just a straight shot. Basically, it's 30 miles northwest of Marshall. 30 miles. Got it. It's about a 35-minute drive. So Brandon knows the Marshall area. I mean, he grew up there, and he drives Highway 68 to get to school basically every day. Every day. Okay. Along the way, he drives through, I believe, four other little small towns on Highway 68 to get to Candy. Sure. Now, when our story begins, it's Wednesday, May 14th, 2008. It's the last day of classes before they're all going out for the summer. Gosh, I just loved that feeling. (laughs) Brandon goes to his last classes and that night plans to go to a small get together with some friends to celebrate the end of the year. Now, this get together is in Lind, Minnesota, which is about six miles southwest of Marshall. So imagine that greater than symbol. Gotcha. That point is going to be Marshall. Gotcha. And then just slight that bottom line, just a little below where Marshall is. So six miles away. You're not going all the way down to the tip, but just six Six miles miles away from Marshall on that greater than symbol is Lind, Minnesota. Gotcha. See, much easier than (laughs) (laughs) Flight 19's flight path. Good Lord. (laughs) That was fun, though. (laughs) Hot dog. Hot dog getting all different shapes. Hot dog island and everything else. So Brandon is going to this get together. It's like 10 minutes away from his home. It's a small gathering, maybe five or six people, just close friends. Later when interviewed, the friends stated that they believe Brandon maybe had one drink. They weren't sure what or if he necessarily did, but he gets a call from a friend out in Canby where he goes to school Mm -hmm. and there's a party out there. He wants to go because there's a friend there that is leaving town that he wants to get. He wants to be able to say goodbye to his friend. So he leaves the gathering at Lind, mm-hmm. and when he does so, his friends say that he's totally fine. So he's not impaired or intoxicated. He's acting totally normal. So he leaves Lind, so he'd have to drive mm-hmm. northeast to get to Marshall, and then he starts to go northwest up Highway 68 gotcha. to get to Canby. Mm-hmm. He arrives at Canby a little after 11 p.m. Ooh, okay. Now, this is a little bigger party. There was more drinking. When these friends were interviewed, they knew he took a shot of whiskey with some of them, but they didn't know exactly how much Brandon had had to drink. But he wasn't there very long. Around midnight or so, so less than an hour, right? he leaves the party. Again, those that were with him claim he didn't seem intoxicated. He didn't do any drugs. He seemed totally normal. Okay. He was fine. Now, this is where things get odd. Instead of just taking that straight shot down, down Highway down. 68 to get back to Marshall. Which he's driven almost every day for a year now. Yeah. Yes. He decides to take backcountry roads. Now, we can assume maybe it's because he had been drinking. Oh, he had had maybe a drink or two. Yeah. I kind of am led to assume that he was maybe avoiding those coppers that are going to be out there if he had to go through little towns and stuff. Well, and the police knew that this was the last day of school, too. So they were anticipating parties, probably. Live in a college town, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, anyone that has driven down back roads in the country (laughs) knows how crazy and confusing they can be. They all look the same. Well, especially at night. Exactly. There are no street lights. It's Mm -mm. super dark. And Mm -hmm. he had an older vehicle, so I can't imagine his lights getting very bright at all. Okay. It was a full moon that night. So that gave off. Yes, that gave off some light for Brandon, but it's still got to be super dark. Had he ever taken these roads before? Do you know? Nobody knows. Okay. So he's driving out there and he turns onto a maintenance road or a field road, which is basically a small road made up of like dirt and grass. And it runs between two crop fields. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another thing to mention is that it is May, which is right in the middle of corn planting season out there. So these fields are basically just wide open fields. They probably even look bare to him. So I guess that's a plus because I can't imagine driving around in the dark out there with these big old corn stalks. (laughs) Waiting for children to pop out. Oh my God. (laughs) That is just a nightmare in itself. Um, So at the end of the field road, he goes to turn left onto a gravel road and somehow misjudged the turn and ended up in the ditch. Mm. Brandon was stuck and he was stuck tight his bumper was stuck on the ledge of the ditch he tried going to drive then reverse and then to drive right but he was i mean he was totally stuck 
He spent some time calling some friends to see if they could help. Mm-hmm. But apparently no one answered. Oh. So at 1.54, Brandon has to call his parents. <sighs> this is where the story gets odd. Brandon tells his parents that he is stuck in a ditch. But he also tells them that he was just off Highway 23 near Lind. No, he wasn't. This is where your map comes in handy. Now, that's not even where he was coming from. No. If you remember, he was on... The long line of the greater hey, sign. He probably wasn't even close to Lind. And what I have to think, because this is where he is like positive he is, he's even like really specific and says that he believes that he's on a gravel road that runs along a golf course out between Lind and Marshall. So he wow. even thinks he knows exactly where he is. Wow. Um, he was out there driving those backcountry roads for a while before he got stuck. So maybe he thought he was driving so far south. south that's what I was going to say. That he made it right. to Lind. He got that far. And he could have done that, right? No, that's not where his car was. Oh my gosh. The story continues. That's yes. not okay. And this is 2008. So he cannot just check his phone. He had a Motorola Solver at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so he didn't have any internet capabilities. He had no mapping capabilities on his GPS, phone. GPS, nope. Nothing. So, and he just has all these roads that all look the same and this flat farmland that all looks the same. And it's basically two in the morning. I think it's just really bad navigational errors, but mm. nobody can be for sure why he thought that's where he was. Okay. But his families get into their pickup truck and they start heading out to get Brandon sure. out near that golf course out near Lind. Right. So his parents are out there on the back roads and they're not seeing Brandon's car. They aren't seeing anything out there. They even start to flash their lights for him to spot. Uh -huh. Annette can hear Brandon on the phone flashing his lights. But no one's well, seeing. Because they were on the phone the whole time. Mm -hmm. But neither one is seeing one another because <laughs> he's basically 20 miles away. Oh, my gosh. Brandon was, quote, absolutely positive he knew where he was, unquote. And he's getting, like, super frustrated with his parents at this time. He gets a little snippy with his mom and he actually hangs up on her. Mm-hmm. At 2.17, she calls him back to apologize, and they kind of re-strategize their search. <laughs> she's calling to apologize. <laughs> she, she's the one driving the road. She's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> calling them at 2 in the morning. But she thinks it's best that she just goes home. So the plan from there is that Brian is going to drop Annette off at home and then go back out to search for Brandon. Jeez. So he does that and calls Brandon back when he's on his way back out to go find him at 2.23 a.m. Okay. The next 47 minutes will be the last Brian ever talks to his son. Brandon sees lights in the distance mm -hmm. and he believes that he's seeing Lind. Oh, oh. He sees city lights. I gotcha. In the distance. Mm -hmm. And he thinks he's seeing the city of Lind. I shouldn't say city. It's definitely like a small town. I gotcha. But he decides since his dad couldn't find him out on the roads, he's going to walk towards the town. Oh, geez. What he believes is Lind and meet his dad in the Linwood Tavern parking lot. His dad stays on the phone with him the entire time. Now he starts walking to this town. And, and here's where my question is, is he was so sure that he was on that gravel road outside the golf course. Right. But this whole time he's walking, he's not coming across any golf course. So wouldn't you think he'd kind of be like, hmm, maybe I'm not where I thought I was? I don't know. I just thought that was a little odd in the story. So he wasn't mentioning the golf course again. No. You're right. One side of the gravel road would have he been the so golf course. He was so adamant in the beginning of that Jeez. phone call to his parents in the very beginning. Like, I'm stuck. I'm outside this gravel road, outside Lind. Like, he knew exactly where he was. Right, right. And now that he's out of the car and he's walking, he's not coming across a golf course. And he didn't mention anything about that anymore. That wasn't mentioned in anything I read. I just found that a little odd. And we'll get to all the theories in a second. Mm, but okay. let me finish the story. Now, because of where his car got stuck which later gets found, and the direction he is headed, investigators will later come to the conclusion that Brandon was seeing the town of Porter out in the distance, which is one of those small farm towns off Highway 68 I mentioned before. Right. So he is walking the road, heading towards the lights of the town, and keeping the lights in front of him, he decided to walk across a couple fields to make it quicker. Mm-hmm. 
The whole time his dad's on the phone with him, he complains twice to his dad about fences he has to climb over. He says he can hear water nearby. Like I said, it's a full moon, so that and the town's lights ahead are all the lights that Brandon has. Okay. He just keeps walking along on the phone with his dad when all of a sudden Brandon says, oh shit, and then the phone, silent. What? It was 3.10 a.m., and there was no voice on the other end of the line. Brian, of course, is yelling across the silent line for his son, but no response. He calls Brandon's cell back, and it rings and rings and rings and then goes to voicemail. He calls again. It rings, 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 goes to voicemail. He calls Annette, who starts calling some of Brandon's friends, and they all just keep calling him. I mean, if anything, maybe the phone's on silent and it's lighting up so he can find it, right, wherever it is. Right. I mean, just somebody is trying to get a hold of him now. Yeah. Did he trip? Did he? Yeah. Friends start driving around the back roads. His parents are driving around, but they're all looking in the wrong place. Totally wrong. And by sunrise at 6.30 a.m., the Swansons call the Lind Police Department. And at first, it's pretty frustrating. The police don't take the mother's plea very seriously. You know, he's a college boy. He went out for drinks. He's probably just spending the night out somewhere. But it's different than that. He was on the phone with them mm -hmm. trying to get home. Mm -hmm. Annette reported that one policeman had even told her that as an adult, Brandon had the right to be missing if he wanted to be. Yeah. Anyway, so eventually they all get on board. And the first thing police do is actually ping Brandon's cell phone. Oh, nice. And okay. in doing so, they find that he was nowhere near Lind, but somewhere out between Porter and another town of Townton off Highway 68. Okay. So this is a totally different jurisdiction. So now there are two departments aiding in the search for Brandon. Mm -hmm. And eventually his car is found. Okay. About one mile north of Highway 68. There was no damage to the vehicle. Brandon, unfortunately, was not there. I guess two wheels were not even touching the ground. I mean, he was really stuck. Oh, yeah. There were no tracks to follow, but police start circling and making a grid search around the mm -hmm. vehicle. The sun starts to set and they make plans for a larger search party, including tracking dogs, the following day at 11 a.m. So now the tracking dogs come in and they aren't picking up Brandon's scent from the car. Yeah. They can't lead their handlers anywhere. So they end up bringing in some of Brandon's clothing. And from that, one dog picks up a scent and makes some moves. He heads left on the gravel road, goes up a mile, then takes another road, turns up a driveway of an abandoned farm, and turns and starts going through some fields, all like Brandon discussed with his dad while oh, they were on the talking. phone. Right. They go through two fences. They're near the Yellow Medicine River. Remember, he said he could he hear water. water. Mm -hmm. There was even a point when the dog jumped into the river, which makes a lot of people think that the oh shit moment was him. He had fallen into the river. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But here's something to note about this river. Locals call it more of a creek. Yeah, it may have been a bit more high than it normally is because it's spring. So snow runoff and sure, everything. Sure, sure. I mean, it's but May. Not fast moving. Right. But it's not some like huge, fast moving river by right. any means. Mm -hmm. We'll get back to this theory in a bit when we talk about theories. But the dog jumped in for a little bit and then he ends up jumping out and continues his tracking. He walks through the field and up to a gravel road and that's it. He loses Brandon's scent. It's basically as if Brandon just vanished or got in a car. Now, but you, wait, wait, you said that they did ping his phone. Mm -hmm. So had he fallen into the river, his phone would have gone with him, you would think, and his phone wouldn't have worked. So so when you ping his phone, it's not where his phone is located right then and there. It's when it was last used. I see. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Don't be sorry. <laughs> now, another interesting thing. We're just going to throw another wrench in here. That road that the dog stopped at, mm -hmm. that gravel road, had just been regraded that morning. Oh, no. So could Brandon have continued down this road? Right. But the dog lost his scent because all of this gravel has been overturned and moved around. All this dirt's right. been moved and changed. And But this leads to one of our theories. All right. You ready to start chatting some theories? Okay. That maybe he was picked up on that road, like mm -hmm. you mentioned, by maybe a person with bad motives. Or maybe someone hit him with their car. And then they just put him in his car. They're like, oh, my gosh, I just hit somebody. 
put them in their car and drove away. And no one knows who regraded that road because it's not something that the town did. That's something that the local farmers would do who own that land or something. Oh. So, I mean, maybe they've narrowed it down to exactly now who today who did it. But that wasn't something that was kind of like this known thing. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of theories that that in itself was a cover up. Oh, oh. But we're still talking about three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. that he went missing. True. And we're talking about. Well, what time do farmers get up? Not three o'clock, I don't think. <laughs> I would hope I think not, it's man. like I hope four. you get some sleep. I think it's four <laughs> or five to milk the cows or whatever. But I mean, I'm, I, okay, I'm just thinking Kansas, which, it, you know, sounds like. So you're off in this. First of all, people aren't on that road probably very much anyway. Right. Even during the day. Right. And now we're talking about somebody being on that road at three o'clock in the morning. Not just somebody. Probably like a lot of these theories like just happened to be a serial killer that's passing through and sees this random boy. Oh my gosh. I don't think he would be on a back road though. He'd probably, if he's a serial killer, he wants to kill someone. He'd be on a... (laughs) He'd be on a town somewhere. On the main road. Right. Yeah. So I... Weird. So let's go back to the falling in the river theory. Okay. I personally feel like we can roll this one out, but that's just my personal opinion. There's been a huge, massive search of that river done. They even put fences throughout the river, mm-hmm. like across the river to mm-hmm. trap anything that flowed down the river for very far away, like a body or anything you could trap. Right. Um, and over time, it's been 10 years now and not a shoe, not a shirt, not a hat. Nothing of Brandon's has been found in that water. Now, maybe he fell into the river and got out just like the dog did. That would maybe because his phone was ringing, 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 and then it went to voicemail. Mm -hmm. Now, just to clarify, too, I did look into that because I would assume then that something happened to him. He just couldn't get to his phone. But I guess some carriers, depending on who your carrier is, it's dependent on them if your phone just goes straight to voicemail or if it rings. So that doesn't really answer anybody's questions. If it was damaged, so if the phone fell into the water and got damaged, that would still mean it would still ring depending on the carrier it he would? had. It would? Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. So whatever carrier he had, no matter what happened, if the phone was ran over by a car, it would still ring. Okay. So that was another theory is that he fell into the river and then got out and kept going. But where I kind of don't like that is because there's trees that line the river, just like any river. So you have farmland, and then you have a line of trees, and then Mm -hmm. you have the river. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to go towards the light of the town. Don't you think he'd be avoiding trees? The trees. He'd keep going towards light. But he is also so driven on those lights on the town, maybe he's not watching where he's going, and... Cuts through trees thinking he can get there faster and falls into the river. Okay. I'm, I'm right now. I'm trying to think of the timing of his, oh shit. Yeah. Comment. So if I'm walking and I fall into the river, I fall into, it's almost like I would say, oh shit before I wouldn't say it as I was doing it. As I was falling. Right. I would probably fall and then I'd be like, oh, and then I'd be like, oh shit. Right. Yeah. But it's not something that you would say as you were falling into the river. You know what I mean? And here's... Unless he saw something and he was reacting to what he saw like, oh shit, I am totally on the wrong road. And then something happened or... Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense. And I don't know what tone he said, oh shit. It could have been like, oh shit. Or it could have been like, oh shit. Or And no, exactly. Like, I just realized where I am. Oh shit. Or... Oh my God, this car is about to hit me. Oh shit. I just don't, oh, we're saying shit a lot. Sorry guys. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, there could be so many different ways he says that. No, you're right. But you would think if there was a car bearing down on him, he wouldn't say that. He'd say, dad, you know, there's a car, there's a car coming at me or. And his dad didn't hear a splash or anything like that. Uh, his dad did say he heard his son's foot slip, but how you can say you hear a foot slip, I'm not exactly sure, but that's not a splash. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So kind of along the lines of that theory, according to the description, he was last seen in a white t-shirt with a blue striped polo sweatshirt, 
baggy jeans, a black hooded zip-up jacket, a white flat-billed Minnesota Twins baseball cap turned to the side, white sneakers, a heavy sterling silver necklace, and he had stud earrings in each ear. And like I said before, none of these items were found ever, have never been found. So back to the theory of falling into the river or just the fact that he was walking through fields where his socks and his shoes are getting wet. Mm -hmm. There's a theory of hypothermia as an option. The lowest that night was 39 degrees. He was not dressed for that kind of weather. Right. See, now when I read that, I was like, oh, that's not that bad. 39 degrees is not that bad. And we just had below freezing. 39 (laughs) is fine. And I actually wrote that here in my notes when I wrote this up. I went to go pick up the boys from school and it was 47 degrees. And I just had my jeans on and a hoodie. And I was freezing walking to the school door to go get them. So I made a mental note like I got to change my notes when I get home because 39 is much cooler than it is right now. And it's at night. Right. And if you did fall into the river or your feet are getting wet going through these fields, I cannot rule hypothermia out. can't rule that out anymore. So say he gets hypothermia and you start to strip off your clothes when you get that mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you get delusional and you walk away. His body has still never been found. Yeah. So even if he went to go curl up in that abandoned farmhouse or went to go curl up in somebody's barn, it's never been found. Or even in the field. I mean, the farmer right. is going to come out to the field to harvest. Eventually. Whatever, so it would have been found. Even just his hat. They have talked to all the local land and farm owners. Everyone's cooperating. Mm hmm. There was some crazy theories out there that a farmer had shot him. There was like all these theories about there's one of those farmers was a really mean guy. He was known around town to be a really mean guy. And he saw he must have seen him and, and thought he was trespassing and shot him. He was known to always have a gun, you know, all this kind of stuff. Right, right. But everybody's been cooperating in the town everywhere. Let people search their farmlands. And I just feel like that's uh, I don't know. Another theory and the one that I kind of lean towards the most is that he fell down an old cistern or a well oh, or something. Right. Because of the vegetation throughout the summer, it would be covered eventually if he fell down it. Now, a lot of wells and cisterns were all checked throughout the area. But what if it was an old one, like a really old one that he just happened to stumble upon and fell down into and then... The vegetation goes. Nobody even knew that well was there. And he's still just down there. Still his old sh- oh shit comment doesn't make. I mean. Well, even if you. He to me, just that's almost, almost like he like he saw somebody standing there with a gun and he's going, oh shit. I, but then why would it go? Why would your phone go silent? You hear I, I a gunshot know. or something. The whole thing doesn't make any sense. See, I think if I tripped, like if I tripped over a tree root. I would probably say, oh, shit, as I tripped over it. Right. Drop my phone. Maybe it crashed or maybe it fell into the river. He jumps in to go get his phone and then he jumps out and now he's all wet. And then we still just don't have any answers from there. As far as I got with that theory. There was suspicion in a Mud Creek watershed. It was north of Porter. So he would have had to, I think he would have had, from what I understand, he would have had to walk through Porter to get to this mud shed, which doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. Or he would have been picked up. Maybe he did get hit by the road and this is where the person took his body. But they have had hits. Um, dogs have had hits on uh, human remains detective dogs. So HRD dogs mm-hmm. have hit on this mud water creek area. So they do believe that Human remains have been detected out there. That doesn't mean it's Brandon's. Right. And what exactly is that? It's literally just this mud creek watershed. It's just this. It's just a ton of mud. Just imagine just all of this mud runoff. Okay. And the dogs are led there, but they can't give their handlers an exact location. Mm. And again, who's to say this is even Brandon? Right. Right. But I just, I don't know. Holy smokes. And... Who's to say when he drove into the ditch, he didn't hit his head. And that's why he was confused as to what area he was in. Or how much he had so to then drink. He's already, we still don't know how we much, don't know he, how much he really did have to drink. drink. He could have been discombobulated because he hit his head. He had had too much to drink. We just don't know. Aliens. I That is literally my next thing. I did a lot of research in this case. And I think I do know the answer. <laughs> 
<laughs> aliens. You ruined my punchline. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just where my mind You went. ruined my punchline. That's where my mind went. <laughs> I know. And this theory is out there. Believe me. And all the research I did, this is a theory yeah, that's sure. out there. A lot of people were like, well, if aliens came down, there was no crop circles. And I was like, well, I also learned in my research that you plant corn <laughs> sometimes as early as April into June. So there wouldn't have been any corn to make crop circles in. Well, if they landed on the gravel road, we don't know how big their spaceship is. No. And they could have just beamed them up. Oh, shit. Or even if he had seen it in the sky and went, oh, shit. And then yeah. it, it came and. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it goes. Could have been a dinosaur. <laughs> oh, my God. I just think oh that it's my crazy gosh. to me. Especially since there's nothing. I mean, we're talking about a cap, you know, on his head that could easily come off or, you know. So it's been 13 years. 13. 13 years this summer. Now I hate to do this to bring the mood back down, but the family does really still suffer. Of course. In 2010, the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension took over the case and started a tip line. By 2015, so in five years, they had only received 90 tips. That's it. Well, my uh, that's my, no surprise, though, because small we're talking towns. about three o'clock in the morning on a deserted road. Of It just does. My heart just breaks for his family. Well, especially since they were driving the roads that night searching for him you know waiting for him annette was quoted as saying quote i talked to my daughter about it this summer and i said to her i'm not sure brandon is going to be found in my lifetime and she responded back i don't think he'll be found in my lifetime unquote annette and a member of the house of representatives marty seiford have worked together on a piece of legislation it's called Brandon's Law. This would alter Minnesota's missing children program, changing from child to person. When someone is reported missing, law enforcement now must immediately take report and initiate investigation. Wow. Also, when someone is reported missing, jurisdiction is given to county or city where the victim originates. Ah, that would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? The bill became law in July 2009, and since then... At the article where I read this, four other states have passed similar laws. The family has not had a memorial service for Brandon. They don't feel like they'll be free to mourn until answers are found. Of course. Annette was quoted as saying, quote, when you've lost somebody, but you have no answers, there's no knowing where they are or even what happened to them. Your brain is in a constant state of trying to figure it out, but you don't have anything to go on. It's searching. It's searching for answers. It's searching for where, who, what, when, why, and you can't find it, unquote. The night that Brandon went missing, the Swanson family turned their porch light on for him to find his way home. To this day, the family still keeps their porch light on and hopes Brandon or even some answers will knock on their door. Oh, God. I just can't. It's enough to lose somebody, but to not have the answers to that loss... I can't even fathom. I, I bet they lost count as to how many times they've driven down that road looking. All those roads. Constantly. You know. Looking for a shoe. I know I would. I, I just like every day be driving down that road just for an answer. Looking for an answer. Any answer. Mm-hmm. I know that one dog got that scent and that's kind of what they've. And I'm sure they've looked more than just following that dog's scent. That's all that I could find in my research. I'm curious to see if maybe he was discombobulated and he was kind of between Porter and Taunton, another town right off 68 Highway. Mm-hmm. Well, what, who's to say he wasn't heading in the direction of Taunton? That's what I was going to say. How do we know which direction he really was headed? Well, if- I think also based on the way his car was turned, he went to turn left on the gravel road from that maintenance road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where his car got stuck in the ditch. So he was obviously heading in that direction. And I'm sure, like I said, that they've probably done a huge grid search of all of the surrounding area mm-hmm. around his vehicle. Mm-hmm. But that's just this huge, wide open farmland. Jeez. So that is what I got for you, Mom. Wow. Way too many unanswered questions. Yeah. Oh. Too many unanswered questions. All right, Mom. 
Well, that's what I'm going to be thinking about tonight. Thank you very much. Sorry. Well, sorry. I forgot to mention, too. I mentioned in the beginning that he was legally blind in one eye. That's right. So that's got to discombobulate you a lot in the dark as well. Sorry. I know I know we're moving on, but I just this case has been stuck with me for so long now. I just keep thinking of all these different like I what said, ifs, what ifs, what so ifs. So many unanswered questions. Okay, so sit here forever talking about this. Go on. Let's lighten things up, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so have you ever heard of the Palmer Hotel in Sox Center, Minnesota? Do not believe I have. Oh, you shall recall it. Oh, let me guess. Was it on your favorite Zach Bagans show? Perhaps. Okay, let me give you the history. The Sox Center House in Sox Center, Minnesota, was built in 1863. It was the town's first hotel, but unfortunately, on June 26, 1900, it burned to the ground. Oh, gosh. Using the same substructure as the Sox Center House, the Palmer House Hotel was built in its place in 1901. The Palmers, Ralph and Christina, lived in the hotel with their two children. Christina's mother and her brother lived in the hotel also. And the hotel was modern for its day in its beauty, as well as it had running water and electricity. Ooh, fancy. It was. It was definitely the place to be in Sox Center's downtown area. And a lot of the um, the railroad passed mm-hmm. by there. So a lot of the um, salesmen that rode the railroad would stay overnight at this hotel okay. also. Pretty much word of mouth spread that this was the place to go. Oh. It also had a restaurant and a bar. So, you know, it it had everything. The only thing that it did not have <laughs> was um, the rooms did not have their own bathrooms. Ooh. Oh, wait. I didn't say that right. They're necessary rooms. So let me back up a little bit. I'm so confused. What? <laughs> In 1993, the hotel was renovated, respecting the hotel's original beauty, but updating it to what nowadays travelers have become accustomed to like having your own bathroom okay the hotel originally had 38 small rooms with a common quote necessary room down every hall okay okay because heaven forbid we call them bathrooms we have to call them necessary rooms that's just odd it's necessary to go down to that room down there necessary room though (laughs) I might actually start calling it that. I kind of like that. It's Especially now room. that you're pregnant is definitely, it's a, necessary definitely a necessary room. room. <laughs> but there's like the powder room. There's no bath in there. So that would be a necessary room. I always and won- I don't powder in I'd, there. I always wondered why it was called a powder room. That just didn't make sense to me either. Maybe they dipped in there and they'd powder their noses. Yeah. When was the last time you powdered your nose? Sometimes now. it's necessary. <laughs> That would make it the necessary room, not the I powder am. room. I am. I will. Watch me. So nowadays, there are 19 rooms, each with their own bathroom. Necessary room. <laughs> yes. The Palmer House has a spacious lobby, a pub, and a restaurant. That I also looked at Yelp reviews and stuff. Love it. And it said that the food is absolutely excellent. Oh, man. And the service was super good, too. Super so, good. Super, super good. So I guess back in 2018, Care 11 Sunrise, which is a morning talk and news show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Asked viewers their pick for the most haunted spot in Minnesota. Overwhelmingly, the Palmer House was brought up. So someone from the TV station went to investigate. Owner Kelly Freeze gave a short tour of the hotel, telling some stories as she went. Interestingly enough, Freeze originally bought the hotel thinking it was a good investment and she would eventually sell it. That was 18 years ago. Oh, gosh. I discovered, she said, it was absolutely my path and passion. Oh. Haven't we heard this before in different oh. things? It was like, I, I have to be here. It's calling me. 
or it wants me to stay here. You know, we've we've heard it's people possession. We've <laughs> well, we've called we've heard people talking about that before. Yeah, because the hotel dates back so far. Freeze believes that there are many ghosts. Palmer House seems to have so many different players from so many different layers of history. The report she hears from guests is that they hear children playing in the hallway throughout the night. And nine times out of ten, she has to tell the guests that there's actually no children in the hotel at all. That'd be so annoying. I'd be so (laughs) mad. <laughs> but they and had I'm that person too that would probably just be lying there in the bed and I wouldn't complain to anybody. It's not like I'd call down or anything, but I would just sit there and stew and be like, somebody get their dang kids. <laughs> and I would just aggravate myself more than anything else. Well, they have this cute little playroom up there that they've set up for the children. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all the primary colors and it's just a happy little place. But I guess I'm sure the ghosts love it. I I'm sure they made that for the ghosts more than the kids. No, I'm the person that will open the door. And glare at the children I will be that person that opens the door and say, where the heck are your parents? It is two o'clock in the morning. That would be so annoying. (laughs) So there is a room in the hotel that most guests ask for as it seems to be the most haunted. Room number 11. The apparition of a woman is often seen in that room. And there are even some pictures online taken from outside the hotel where one can vaguely see a woman in the window of room 11. Please tell me you're going to post this picture. I am definitely going to try. Now, it's very vague. It's very, very vague. But you can see this. Oh, I just got chicken bumps. Shimmery. Not shimmery. What do I want to say? This white. Like fog kind uh, of a thing. Foggy, cloudy shape at the window. Hmm. So, yes. It's pretty cool, actually. And this is for you, my darling. Mm. Also in that room. Oh, gosh. I can just hear it now. Is the ghost cat. I knew it! <laughs> Haunting me in every story. So the cat will scratch at oh, the door to be let in. Heck no. I will always request the most haunted room unless it's a freaking cat. Oh <laughs> it my will God. meow throughout the night. Miserable. <laughs> and Terrible. it will jump on the bed as the guests are sleeping. <laughs> Ew. It wants to just cuddle up. It'll just try to cuddle up with you. Freeze says that this has happened so often that she will actually ask guests if they are allergic to cats. Which I am, so I would never be able to stay in that room. That is hilarious. (laughs) That would be, again, so annoying. Oh, my gosh. Freeze shared... Why? I'm going to interrupt myself here. (laughs) Why is it always cats? Mom, I don't know. You I chose mean, this story. No, 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 no. It, even back when we were talking about Lizzie Borden, again, there was a cat. Well, Mom, go back all the way to the very first episode. There was a cat in the Leavenworth story, too. Oh, that's right. And what was the one, the built, was it the Biltmore? It was the Biltmore. Yep. There was a, a headless, there a headless that's cat. right. Have we said anything about a dog spirit? <laughs> They all go to heaven, Mom. (laughs) All dogs go to heaven. Now think about it. Seriously. That's why I don't like cats. They have their own special souls. (laughs) Well, they they have nine lives, so. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. That just hit me, actually. It was like, God, we have mentioned cats in so many paranormal episodes, but never a dog. Oh, I... I don't like this conversation. Okay, I'll move on. Thank you. So Free shared other stories, one being her own. She was working in the lobby of the hotel and a woman asked her a question. Now she turned around and answered the question and was just talking to the woman, answered the question. Then she turned back around. The woman asked another question or something. For some reason, Freeze turned back around. There was no one there. And she stayed there for all these years. That would scare me. So basically she had a conversation, uh, an actual conversation with somebody standing right there. And then she turned around. And when she turned around again, that person was gone. The woman ducked down to play with the haunted cat at her feet. She was still there. She was just behind the counter. No, she wasn't. She was standing in the (laughs) middle of the lobby talking to somebody. (laughs) She was (laughs) She's hiding behind the couch. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. That was a weird woman. <laughs> she disappeared. Which story would you prefer? <laughs> well, there's been sightings of a young boy on the stairs going up to the second floor. Staircase. Guests have seen a ball bouncing down the hallway. Now, to me, that would be that would be the spookiest thing. Just to see this random boing, Even boing. Even spookier yeah. than a cat. Just this random no. ball. Cat is way still creepier. <laughs> this random ball just running. Running? Running? <laughs> bouncing down so the hallway. That scary if a ball started running. <laughs> Little <laughs> legs moving it. <laughs> if a ball started running at you down the hallway, that would be terrifying. <laughs> That would be scarier than <laughs> Then these little arms pop out too. <laughs> Why do you have to change your voice for this? Because I, the ball has to talk like that. You look like a little T-Rex over there. <laughs> That's what I picture the ball. <laughs> Are you these picturing little... a red ball? Because I'm picturing I a... Totally a red ball with <laughs> little legs and little hands. And even like a smiley happy face as it's running down the hallway. Totally a red ball. It can't be any other color. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, lights flicker on and off despite rewiring an electrical test throughout the entire building. Oh, gosh. Newlyweds were staying in room 17, which is also a room to ask There's for if you want to stay oh, okay. at a haunted place. The they wife. were allergic to cats, so that's why they didn't choose Yep, they were them. moved to 17. Okay. During the night, the wife suddenly woke to see a tall, lanky man dressed in 20s or 30s period clothes. And she's like, honey, what are you doing? Standing at the foot of the bed. What did I marry? <laughs> Is this what you do Baby, at 2 a.m.? I said I liked a man in a uniform. <laughs> Not that. That's doing nothing for me. <laughs> Why are you so lanky all of a sudden? <laughs> we need to eat some breakfast tomorrow. We lost this wedding weight. We need to put some pounds back on you. Hey. The basement of the hotel is where the most, should I say, sinister activity happens. And because of this, Freeze only allows paranormal investigation teams to enter the basement. Do they do like paranormal hauntings here? Or... <laughs> paranormal investigations no yes they do wow yes and this brings me to ghost adventures dun 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 and the lights just flickered in this room when you <laughs> said that and yes they investigated the hotel this was earlier on when nick was still with them so oh nick very early it was season six episode 10 I'm kind of sad to say that I don't think the cast was as funny and over the top as they are now. Well, Nick was very serious and he's still very super, serious. Super serious. To this yeah. day when he does his own shows or he actually comes to the Kansas City, St. Joe area a lot. Oh, really? To investigate out here. And those that have met him say that he is a very, very nice guy, but he's very, very serious about what he does. Yeah. I actually saw him in this episode. He actually... Was laughing at something. <laughs> well, I'm sure and he no, laughed. Seriously, that was one of the first times I've even seen him smile. He's he very just serious about doesn't. this. He's, you know, super like stone face. It's totally like how I am when I'm on the podcast. Just very serious. God, I know. That's why you're no fun. Anyway, <laughs> so, so there's like, you know, no real, hey, dude, or bro, or idiot. <gasps> Who's that? <laughs> None of that. In fact, when they did hear something, instead of going, hey, bro, and running into each other's arms like they do now, <laughs> yes. they actually tracked it. Like, like oh. Aaron actually went down the hall to find out what the noise was. As they should do. This is their job. <laughs> they hear a noise, go investigate. Instead, they all go running so, out of the building screaming like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. They just start huddling together. So I guess... Freeze called Ghost Adventures because of some demonic activity that was happening in the hotel. And they jumped all over that uh -huh. opportunity. Z Zach thinks that some people might have actually died in the fire on June 26th when the building burnt down and that their spirits are still around. I mean, that would make sense, but leave, I, it, to, but I don't but know. leave it to Zach to find the darkest I mean, he's theory. just saying that... The, 
these random people were in the basement, like they were locked up in the basement or they were, okay. there was really no reason why these people would have been in the basement. It's okay. There's They're no, trying to find their cat. There's not tunnels or anything They're else. They're trying I mean, to find their cat. Yeah, there's, uh, okay. And Zach actually did some research on the hotel and found that a man had hung himself in the bar area. And the owner didn't know that? But Zach Bagans found it. I'm going to back up here, okay? Because Kelly, the owner, Freeze, Freeze said in the t- TV anchors interview, mm-hmm. remember in the very beginning I mentioned that, she said that in the research she'd done, no one had ever died in the hotel. Okay, but that is not true. We've learned there's there's old people, there's accidents, people go to hotels, especially if it's as old as it is. Yeah, but remember people go to hotels to commit suicide. When we talked about the shining, I forgot what the hotel is called. The Stanley Motel the as you Stanley. call it. Stanley. <laughs> Nobody had ever died there and there's plenty of spirits there. Just bizarre to me to think that so it's she, been around so long and there's been no deaths. So free said all of she. Then Zach comes in. He researches for what probably five minutes and he's like, oh, somebody hung themselves. Oh, well, people he was, died in the basement. He went to the. In a fire. I think it was the library or something. I well, mean, he she really didn't do much research. He really did some research and he found this stuff out. Freeze told Zach that a woman called her from out of the blue. This woman had never even been in the hotel. Like on the phone, she called her. Yes. Okay. She, got- <laughs> she wasn't standing in the lobby. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyways, moving on with your story. So this woman, this random woman called Freeze. And this woman had never been in the hotel, but she was adamant that there was a man buried under the staircase going down into the basement. Ooh, What a well, weird thing. This intrigued Freeze. So she started digging. With By a l- herself? Uh-huh. With a large kitchen spoon. Oh, that's quite digging. It's more of just like spooning. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you're, I mean, you don't really want to take a big shovel if there's. more with their hands. Like, like, go on with your story. Well, it's hard earth. So anyway, she used a kitchen spoon. Okay. Good for her. Okay. So, so nonetheless, she was digging a hole. And she found bones. What? But they all looked like rib bones. And there were a lot of them. So she was going to have the bones analyzed as to whether they were human or animal. But the next morning when she went to collect the bones, they were all gone. What? The place had been totally cleared out. So there's no more dirt anymore? There's dirt, but there ain't no bones. Somebody brought an actual shovel to that situation well to zach this seemed like the hole that she had dug was an opening or a portal for something demonic to enter the hotel well of course exactly he's of course digging in the hole looking for human bones but he's using the shovel so he's like staying there digging with his big old mask on you know and he's got these overall things on oh, no. he's covered from top to bottom But he was digging for them bones. Didn't find any. The team did pick up on some interesting EVPs and paranormal activities. One was really cool. So Billy is at home base on the second floor. And yes, Billy. I was just going to say Billy's there. Yep. This is, I think, one of his first ones that, that he's there. So Billy's at home base on the second floor watching the cameras. And he sees that the REM pod in the basement is going off. Okay. Okay. The REM pod is, has a light. Right. And then when a spirit or the electric. It's like this puck that has an antenna off of it. And then if a spirit touches the antenna, it'll light up. And some of them even go beep. Well, yeah. it does that. It's really annoying. It'll... Sorry, I didn't mean to take over your story. Uh-huh. Okay. So the REM pod is going off and you can actually see an anon- anomaly. 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 So uh, uh, it's almost like an orb. Okay, but it's not in the back wall of this hall. This is in the basement. Mm -hmm. We're going to call it an orb, but it's not. It's an anomaly. We can't, we don't know what it is, but it goes up the back wall and then it goes along the side wall. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can see it just, you can trace it. And then for some reason, there's this white, it's either a wire or a string, well, thin rope or something that's hanging. And it's almost like 
almost over the REM pod. Okay. But it's close to the REM pod. And you can just see this white thing hanging from the ceiling. Don't know why it's even there, but okay. that's why I'm thinking it's a wire of some sure. sort. It all of a sudden starts moving. Oh. It all of a sudden starts going back and forth, like swaying back and forth. And then you see this weird orby thing actually going through the rope. Interesting. Yeah. It was pretty darn cool, especially with that rope moving. And and you could see before that the rope wasn't moving. The REM pod was going off. You could see the anonymous, I hate that word, <laughs> at the end of the hall. And the rope is just totally still. And then all of a sudden, it just starts swaying back That's and forth. That's really cool. It was. That was pretty darn cool. There was a time when Nick, Aaron, and Zach are in the basement, and Zach gets pinched. Uh-oh. Yep, he got pinched right on his side right here. And of course, it's just this little red thing, you know, and, and Aaron's like, oh, man, yeah, it's red. It's swelling up. Oh, gosh. Like, they were still dramatic then. A little bit. Okay, a little bit. And the voice on the EVP after he gets pinched says, get them out of here. Ooh. So that was kind of weird. And of course, poor Aaron gets left down in the basement of by himself. <laughs> Suddenly at nerve center, the guys hear something fall, as does Aaron down in the basement. But he's in complete darkness. You know how they do their investigations. Right. The guys rush down to the basement and right away find a broom had fallen, but in a strange manner. Had the broom just slid, the lip of the door frame would have caught it. Okay. Okay. But the handle of the broom was lying across the hall. Reviewing previous frames, the guys can clearly see that they had been in the hallway a few times before and the broom was in plain sight leaning against the wall with the other cleaning supplies. So something had pushed this broom with enough force to cause it to fall forward, hmm. basically. And, you know, and like right. I said, had it slid, the lip of the door was maybe an inch, maybe, and it would have caught it. It wouldn't have fallen. So, like I said, that was pretty cool. And you all know I have to end with either a Zach or an Aaron comment. <laughs> oh, no. This time it's Zach. <laughs> okay. So they rush down there and this broom had fallen. So Zach picks it up. And he starts like stroking the broom handle. What? And he's saying, a spirit just touched this, guys. Oh, my A spirit gosh. just, this was just touched by something. I want to touch it where it was touched. <laughs> okay, don't go there. It's Zach. I mean, he's the one that innocently sat on the stairs among toy balls and asked the ghost child if she wanted to play with his balls, okay? Oh, my So gosh. this is Zach, but he's just. Did they go upstairs at all and investigate like the cat room and everything? They did. And that, that's where things got kind of wanky in this. Because it's so haunted. They have all these people experiencing things. but And they didn't even mention well, the cat. It's not sinister. To they them. didn't mention the cat. That's terrible. It was almost like the most haunted room was 17. And that's because it was Anna. The lanky husband. Was. Anna's. No, they even mentioned that. It was like Anna or, or Sally's room. They didn't mention the get the they didn't mention the girl in the window. It was just like two complete different <laughs> two complete well, different. They just really wanted to cover that basement, I think. Yeah. They like the, that dark stuff. They do. I just thought it was interesting that Freeze is just like, Yep, this place is haunted. But it's all spirits that are good, you know. I mean, there's nothing to be afraid of. And yet supposedly she calls Zach because there, there's a demonic spirit you know mm -hmm. I don't well maybe it depends on when the interview is done maybe things started to escalate and you don't I don't know if people really want to necessarily advertise that their their hotel is haunted mm. uh, nowadays I think they do not all of them I not all of them know but I, I think like a lot of hotels, them do they don't like to they don't like to tell people that their hotel is haunted unless that's like the whole route that they're taking yeah is that they're gonna run a haunted well that's what you know if a hotel is not getting enough money i think the boy is sure say it's haunted and all of a sudden you'll be bringing in money because people are just so into that now they are that's true so that's what i got for you well that was a good episode mom meow stop <laughs> I'm going to get up and leave and you can close out this podcast by yourself. 
Next week, I'm so excited, but we are not going to stay in one state. We're going to move from north all the way down south. All right. Gives me plenty of options. It does. For paranormal. (laughs) Also next week, you guys are going to be getting two episodes because we'll be releasing our April listeners episode that week. Keep those stories coming in. Keep those stories coming. We're absolutely loving this. love them. So to write those stories to us, you can either email us at killerhangoverpodcast at gmail.com or we have officially a new, better, upgraded website. We're moving on up. Moving on up. The website is www.killerhangoverpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there. We are slowly but surely working our older episodes in there where our resources are and everything. But this episode, all of its resources and pictures from this episode will be on our website. There's also a portion on that website where you can send us your stories as well. Yes, please do. Please send us your stories. We have so much fun with that episode every month. And you guys deserve an extra episode every month. There you go. And patrons. Like I've been saying at the end of all of our episodes recently, this podcast is brought to you by you guys, the listeners. We're very thankful for you all. If you'd like to help out the podcast, we would love for you to join our Patreon. It's $5 a month. You'll get extra episodes, episodes released early, and extra little goodies here and there. So we really appreciate it. You can find a link to our Patreon in the description of this episode. Well, this is fun because I kind of got to drink with you a little bit, Mom, with my alcohol-free beer. There you go. It's always nice when you can join me. Yes, it is. Another good one, Mom. Yes. Thank you. I still don't have Brandon out of my head and probably won't for the rest of the night. Thank you very much for that. Sorry. Oh. Let me know what your guys' theories are. Send us your theories. Yeah. I'm curious to what other thoughts are out there that we didn't maybe cover. Exactly. All right, sweetheart. Cheers, Mama. Cheers. Love you, kid.